welcome back to the Love Frequency Podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Love, owner of Mindful Guidance, Coaching and Counseling, offering online support in transforming conditions and ways of being that thwart us from being the most authentic, truest, and best self. Thank you for tuning in. I just want to give you a heads up that I'm taking a little different tact going forward, and I'm going to be sharing more personal reflections. And that's a little out of my comfort zone. I'm not that used to sharing uh, (laughs) so deeply personally, um, publicly, because of my work. And yet I think that the struggles and experiences that I share about whether they be my own or those of um, my clients or friends or family that I'm closest to, are really illustrative of universal themes that we're all struggling with. So I'm going to be a little more vulnerable and uh, out there and uh, just want to give you that heads up. (laughs) If it's a little TMI, then, you know, maybe this isn't the episode for you today, but, uh, I'll be curious for any feedback, questions, comments that you have. So let's get, let's get to it. Welcome to the Love Frequency Podcast. I must admit my heart is heavy. Um, This is the 4th of July. And there are many intersections of awareness that have been points of reflection for me today, and one being very deeply personal, two actually being very deeply personal, are the one-year anniversary of a dear friend who transitioned on July 4th last year. She'd had a recurrence of breast cancer that uh, metastasized to bones and her brain and somehow in her three-year tussle where she was really convinced that she was going to beat this despite evidence proving otherwise she never stopped finding ways to delight people and to find delight in every day. I, I've never, and I've worked hospice. I have never, ever, <laughs> ever seen a being, a human being, who seemed to be able to straddle both the sublime and the mundane with such grace and determined love. And you may think I'm waxing poetic because she's not here anymore and I'm idolizing her, but no, no. Anyone who knew Koki could see the power in how she chose to live and how she chose to love. Two days before she transitioned, I went to see her. And she was sort of in and out of sleep. And, you know, she was on pain medicine. But she would come too. And (laughs) when I came over, she nearly leapt out of bed 
like she threw the covers like she was about to get out of bed. So I, I ran to her side to make sure that she didn't because, you know, at any point her, her hip could have just broken. And she was like a little puppy dog in her energy. She was just so delighted to see me. And really, anyone who showed up, she was the same. And we, we'd been close friends for 23 years. And her husband was being very caring towards her the whole time and was sort of being the gatekeeper towards the end because he knew how much energy it took for her to welcome friends and family and visitors. So, you know, he, he told me, keep it brief. So just as she was drifting back to sleep after about 10 minutes of visiting with her, I whispered to her, okay, I'm, I'm going to go now. And I didn't want to say goodbye because she never acknowledged that she was dying. And she was always so joyous about the smallest things, whether it was planning a breakfast she was going to have with me and our friend Lauren making gluten-free waffles and strong cups of coffee and fruit on top with yogurt, which she did uh, two weeks before she died. She talked about it all night as I was staying over and trying to help her through the night. I think we got about an hour and a half of sleep that night. And yet six in the morning she was up and in the kitchen with me, bowing to every command, you know, whatever she needed. And she pulled off the most glorious breakfast imaginable. I don't know how she did it. But anyway, so when I just whispered, okay, I'm going to go now, she came back, opened her eyes, grabbed my arm and said, no, 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 not yet. And so I looked at her husband, and I said, you know, what do you want me to do? And he goes, it's okay, stay. So then he, he got up off the bed. And she grabs her pillow. She had a bunch of pillows. She grabs a pillow, throws it on her lap, and pats the pillow. She wants me to lay my head on her lap. And of course I did, looking up at her. And she just tenderly stroked my head, like a mother would to a young child and was just infusing me with the sweetest caresses that I will never forget as long as I live. And I was so busy soaking in her love and her kindness that I couldn't cry. <laughs> it was it was too delicious, just like a massage that's so wonderful that you just don't want to fall asleep even though you're tired. I can't imagine how she mustered the strength to do everything she did in her last days. To show all of us who she held dear, how much she loved us. But she truly gifted us with many, many special memories. And it was so fitting that on the 4th of July, she took her flight to freedom.
no longer weighted down by her earthly body that just had gotten worn out. And I feel her presence quite often, actually, and hear her voice in my head. And she sends me signs, <laughs> signs that she's near and watching over me, blatant signs, not signs of fictitious imagination, very clear, Kofi signs. And it's wonderful, but I do miss her dearly. And it wasn't, it wasn't long after she transitioned that I had a personal realization that I needed to claim my own freedom. That I had somehow allowed myself to be lulled into what we would call codependency, where I was subjugating my needs in order to tend to the needs of my partner. And I'm sure he would say not very well. And it was the most difficult and scary decision to make after being together for 10 years and not having seen the full picture of the pattern that I had allowed myself to lapse into, that I had allowed myself to become oppressed just like Koki was oppressed by cancer. And somehow her flight to freedom inspired mine. And so about a month later, I took my leave. And so here it is a year later on July 4th, and I've been doing this podcast since October. And one of my earlier interviews was with my friend Marcy, who is biracial, half black. And she got me thinking about racism in our culture. And I've since started exploring much more about my own biases, my cultural biases, my personal biases, my ignorance about white supremacy and white fragility. And I've started working through Lila Said's workbook on me and white supremacy. And one of the things that is really prominent for me this 4th of July is the realization that I can't celebrate it. I can't celebrate because my forefathers and foremothers left their country in order to avoid oppression and tyranny and came to this land already inhabited by First Nation people and decimated and dismantled their culture their lives, their rights. And then to add insult to injury, kidnapped people from Africa and brought them here and enslaved them. 
and the cultural biases and the cultural racism that continues today and continues these patterns of oppression and tyranny weigh very heavily on my heart and soul. And I know that this podcast is about focusing on uplifting. But if we don't face that which prevents us from being lifted, if we don't name it, then we can't address it. And I know there will be others who might listen to this and say, oh, well, isn't she getting on her high horse now that she's all woke, right? No, I'm not. But I am working towards waking up. And I'm not better than anyone. I am struggling through the work of looking within and ferreting out the conditioning that has been promulgated over the generations and certainly over my lifetime, having been born white into a middle-class family, living in predominantly white city. I don't think there was a single black person in my school. And just the next town over, a lot of black people. And I, I learned to fear blacks. And I'm ashamed to say that. But given how our news is reported, how our institutions, both economic and penal and employment, work against equal rights still to this day, I'm part of the problem. Ignorance is part of the problem. Unwillingness to reflect and own the work that we each need to do is part of the problem. And so I'm willing to use my voice to share this and admit this and encourage and inquire What's your relationship to racism? What's your relationship to tyranny and oppression? What's your relationship to true inner freedom? And how can any one of us truly be free while others are being taken advantage of, disadvantaged, oppressed, disregarded, discarded, or thought to be less than. I ask this with the intention of fostering healing, even as I hear the explosions around me that remind me of the wars that this country has fought and supported. We need to find a way towards peace. And I choose to celebrate truth tonight 
and not the independence of the United States. And I ask you to join me in this movement to awaken to how each of us belongs equally. How each one of us is sovereign in our own right. And how our actions and inactions, our awareness and our lack of awareness, either contributes to the problems or contributes to the transformations. And it's hard work. And it's not, not easy to face and doesn't feel particularly rewarding. But it is something we need to grapple with honestly and earnestly if we are going to make the foundational changes that are necessary in the world and in our culture. So I'd like to invite a moment of silence relative silence and invite you just to sink into your heart and into your breath and just feel the weight of what's gone before and let yourself have some grief some space to grieve, some space to feel, some space to question, what is my part? What is my next best step forward towards healing? Thank you for doing this deeper work of self-inquiry, of listening with compassion and care. May peace prevail.